to somebody that's been through stuff. Or in my case, I think one of the things that helped me was having guys like that validate that where I'm at is actually pretty good. Uh, because for me, it's always what's next. How do I get to this next phase? How do we get to launching this? Or how do I accomplish this? Um, and they're looking at me like, look at what you're doing right now. Like, this is pretty cool. So it helps me step back and go, all right, yeah, that five years that I didn't look up once, yeah, this is a pretty good place. This is exactly where I wanted to be five years ago. Uh, so I should be a lot more thankful and a lot more patient with myself. Uh, so they help me kind of realize that sometimes. Oh, yeah. If you like talking to super smart, super talented people, you're going to love this conversation with Charles Drenberg, my buddy that I met in Southern California about 15 years ago when we were playing soccer together. And I've just watched him explode, become this super successful career entrepreneur, family man. It's been amazing. And I learned a lot in this conversation from his story building the first like barstool sports before barstools was a thing to the competitive nature of athletes and not how that helps and hurts them in business to how to find relationships with mentors when you didn't really have that type of mentorship growing up so stick around you're gonna love it hope that you're loving the podcast i want to hear from you let me know but for right now you get to hear from my buddies in miami florida the stiltsville with yogi take it away fellas a two, a one, a two, a one, two, three, go. Fifty percent mental, ninety percent faith. You know what to do. So we're on with Charles Drenberg, the owner of Big Presence, co-founder of Belch, former college athlete, Ohio State alum, one hell of a model American. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? <laughs> doing awesome, bud. I'm really happy, like I just said, that I'm real happy we, we hopped onto this, man. Can you tell me a little bit about Big Presence and Belch and the stuff that you're working on right now? Sure. So uh, Big Presence is a platinum HubSpot partner agency. Um, we're a digital agency helping companies grow online, build websites, do marketing, all the fun stuff we've seen kind of materialize over the last 10 years. Um, and Belch is, it's a visual page builder for HubSpot um, and soon to be other platforms like HubSpot too um, that we built basically to make our lives easier. Uh, and then we turn it into a product and now we're going through the process of uh, growing the platform and, and kind of building off of some momentum we had about a year and a half ago that we decided to turn it into a business for. I like it. So you started this within another company. So you started Belch within Big Presence and now you've spun it off into a, its own entity? Yep. I have two, uh, two partners in Belch, um, one of which Tim Joyce uh, was our lead developer here at Big Presence for a long time, still helps out on, on big projects and complicated projects. Uh, and Marky Arnold, who I met. The two of them knew, knew each other before me. Um, I helped them out with some advice on a startup they did probably seven years ago, eight years ago, um, in a very competitive website builder market that just got a little flooded a little bit sooner than we would have been ready to, to hit it. Um, but we kept that in the back of our mind and Belch is kind of an iteration of, of what they were doing before I met them. Uh, but now it's customized towards what our agency has been doing. So it's been kind of a a very long cycle of, yeah, well, let's just keep working together until we figure out what we really, where our opportunity is. And now we've kind of jumped on this one and we're riding this one for as long as we can. Interesting. So is, is Belch, where does, where do the two businesses stand as far as, I don't know if you want to talk about like kind of top end revenue or what kind of customer you serve in, in where they stand in priority in your life. Sure. Uh, they're like 50-50 right now. Um, they've been 50-50 for about a year now. Um, Belch is very much a startup. I think we're early to the market in many ways. Um, we're the only visual page builder there is for HubSpot that's truly a visual page builder that we built from the ground up. Um, and we just know HubSpot's platform is going to keep growing and there's going to be opportunity there. So I think we're just a little bit early there. 
the crossover is it's, it cannibalizes my own business, to be honest, on the agency side. So we built a tool knowing that it needed to exist, but also knowing that it's going to cut out work that we could be doing for other HubSpot companies. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's something that's going to be built anyway. Uh, and it's going to be a feature that's going to be in HubSpot at some point. Um, so we're, we're just trying to be ahead of it. Um, and it allows us to use marketers and non-developers to do something that, you know, $100, $125 an hour developer used to do. Or even, you know, $50 freelance developer um, to do something that they don't want to do anyway. And marketers want to be able to do on their own. So we're cannibalizing business that exists today but won't exist in probably three years anyway. Very intelligent. This isn't really a specifically marketing-related podcast. So, I mean, I know what HubStuff, HubSpot is, but can you can you describe in your own words what HubSpot is, what a visual page builder does? Sure, sure. HubSpot's, um, I mean, it's really sales tools, CRM, and marketing automation to simplify everything. There's more to it that we could get into, but it's not really relevant. Uh, but it helps marketers and sales teams and businesses, uh, you know, manage contacts, their marketing, uh, their sales deals, things like that. Um, and it goes on and on and on. Um, they have a landing page builder and a CMS. A CMS is a content management system like, like a WordPress, for example. Um, the visual page builder just makes it easy so that somebody that doesn't know how to code can build something on their platform, which takes a little bit of technical knowledge to be able to do on your own. So we're just making it easier and more accessible for people that are generally using the tool more than developers would be. Got it. So this is something where it brings in your contact list. It's, it's an ability. It's a way to capture contacts and keep in, and keep in touch with them via email, blogs, whatever, and your visual, and that's what HubSpot is. And then the visual page builder is the way to create the interfaces where these customers and you interact, right? Whether it be a, a video, a, a page that has a, oh, you just clicked on this link and now here's my video sales letter offer and or clicked on this link and now you see my blog or stuff like that. Yeah, yep. cool. that's a good way to sum it up. Cool, all right. Fantastic. Charles, you and I haven't really spoken much since 2009, mm. right? When we lived in Huntington Beach, California, bring it hard. Where, where are you living these days? I'm in uh, Irvine now, uh, but my office is down in Newport. So I'm still, I'm still riding that PCH vibe uh, as long as possible. I love it, dude. I love it, man. I miss SoCal. I, might, I actually just bought tickets for um, Podcast Evolutions in around uh, Valentine's Day. So I'll be out there, man. I'm going to hit you cool. up. Cool. Looking forward to it. And I remember when I left HB, number one, I was a young animal, right? Like we were <laughs> kind of living, living in this like disgusting house and uh, you were a little bit more grown up, but also we were playing soccer together, doing a bunch of stuff. And it also felt, it was also 2009. So the world was kind of ending, yet it was coincided with when I launched my first business and you had gone into entrepreneurship, right? Was that kind of yeah. the origin of your entrepreneurship? What was your first foray into working for yourself at that point? Or, 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 or like paint me the picture of where you were in that transition. Yeah. I mean, 2009, man, it <laughs> feels like a, it feels like 50 years ago at this point. Um, 2008, uh, when everything kind of went sideways in the economy, I was in uh, I worked for a family business, um, First job out of college, four years into it, uh, you know, everybody started downsizing. The military stopped doing certain projects with with everybody that that we kind of depended on. So we were downsizing at my my family's business a little bit, and I was one of the people that was like, I don't, I'm not really into this. You could tell that I, I didn't want to be there much longer. It was a cool job to have out of college and everything, but they were going to downsize and they were letting go of people, and I was okay with being one of those people at the time because I needed a transition in my life anyway. Um, and at the same time, I was making money on the side, writing content, writing blogs, writing articles. I found a, a network that Yahoo eventually bought while I was working on it where I could write articles that people needed for whatever content, whatever their needs were, um, and get paid for it. And that was like a revolution to me because I was working a job that didn't pay that much money uh, for what I thought I could be making at that time. And now I had this thing that could make me a few hundred bucks a day, 
a, a couple thousand dollars a month. You know, it was very minimal at first, but it was a revelation to me. It's like, there's other ways to make money now. And I started getting into writing content and then we started a sports blog. And that's around the time that I met you, I think. Um, we started a site called FTR Sports. It was Barstool before Barstool. It was, uh, I mean, we, we were competing with them when they were a three-man team, I think in a garage in Massachusetts somewhere. Um, and it taught me a lot because we had to build our own site. We didn't have any money behind it. We didn't have any marketing behind it. And uh, I started making money off of it with a, a couple of friends that were writing jokes about LeBron and photoshops of stupid stuff going on in the NFL. And that kind of kickstarted me realizing internet technologies, hosting, uh, affiliate marketing, content writing, establishing relationships with advertisers, things like that. And then I just kind of leaped into doing that for other people at a certain point, got a job with a Microsoft partner in LA and got the inner workings of corporate marketing and kind of realized, wow, I know a lot more than most people do in 2010 about digital marketing, about uh, social media was still very new in 2010. Uh, your Facebook fan page could reach everybody that was following you back then. It wasn't an advertising platform. Um, so I, and I was in LinkedIn a lot earlier than other people. I realized how LinkedIn groups could really benefit lead generation and things like that, which I don't know if that's true nowadays. I'm, I haven't been in a LinkedIn group probably in five years, but, um, that was revolutionary for our company. We started doing inbound marketing before people said inbound marketing. Uh, and that kind of kickstarted this whole career. Were you in marketing before that or coding before that? Like what were you no, doing for that I, family office? No, uh, I was, a. Uh, inventory control production management kind of stuff uh opposite uh i mean i worked on you know spreadsheets and stuff like that at best but nothing to do with really with computers it's when i started building the sports block and had to teach myself how to code uh and utilizing some of my friends uh that already knew how to code like for support but it's self-taught 100 percent of the way um, i think i'm probably four or five languages in now um and i'm not an expert developer by any means, but I can sit in a room with expert developers and translate for everybody else. And that's, that's a, that's a value obviously uh, in itself. Huge man. How, man, how do you, how do you self learn anything before YouTube was huge? <laughs> uh, well, YouTube was really helpful. YouTube was, um, that was one of the few things that, I mean, there was cat videos and there was how to build website stuff. I mean, that, that was everything. My Google search history could, could tell you the entire story of my last 10 years of my life, which is really cool. Um, I consider Google like the best thing that ever happened to me because this is not what I went to school for. Uh, although what I went to school for helps with what I'm doing now. But what was all that? Of this stuff, uh, accounting. Okay. So it's good for help, helping me run the business and, and sure. things like that. But nothing. Uh, I took one coding class or two coding classes, I think, when I went back to school to kind of learn programming in, in a little microcosm of uh, 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, all of this stuff was self-taught. None of this stuff, all this stuff was new. We were making it up as we went along when it came to social media before. Now everybody's a guru about social media and all of that stuff. Uh, we were hacking this system before it was really big and before it was an advertising platform. It was wild west. Uh, but I taught myself all that stuff on YouTube with some help from some a few friends maybe. Never really any courses either. It was, how do I solve this problem today? And then once you solve that problem, you can solve the next problem. And it just kept building and building and building. That's amazing, man. I, man, I, I wish I would have gotten into content back then. Cause I love content, right? Like I, I think the, I was super into MySpace, but mostly for picking up chicks because I was new to California. And then, and then the transition to Facebook happened, but I was at that time, I jumped into entrepreneurship as a green building consultant. Right. And it wasn't, down that path. I wish I would, I wish somebody would have cracked that open and I would have found the idea. Cause I, I remember back then I was seeing your blog and I had no idea how to Photoshop. I didn't know, like, I didn't know the back end of any of it, but I would send you suggestions on like, dude, you should do an article on this. And like, what about blah, blah, blah. I, for I forgot what the one I, I don't know. I was, I was pretty proud of something I sent you that I don't know if I materialized, but, but I knew I was taking that Liberty because I like the, I love the creativity aspect of business these days. And I had never mm -hmm. given myself license to be creative up until like maybe three years ago when I realized, yeah, at the end of the day, sense of humor is creativity. Yeah. Uh, it was, 
I mean, it was half out of interest and like, let's make my friends laugh. But honestly, we, we started it on Tumblr of all places. I mean, this is before Tumblr was basically porn for a long time. Um, we started on Tumblr because we're like, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. My buddy was like, you're really funny and we both know sports. It's like, let's just write stuff. Um, so it was more out of like, I, I want to see if I can make my 15 friends laugh. And then eventually it became, oh, wow, we have like a thousand people reading this article. All right, let's move to a new platform so we can start doing other stuff. And then at some point it was a million visitors a month, um, which I wish I knew how to monetize that better when I was that age. But it was a learning experience and it showed what do people like? How do you write a, how do you write a title of an article, which is the same as writing a title of a, or a subject line for an email you want to get open? I mean, it, it taught me all these little fundamental blocks that we all take for granted now. Um, but it was, it was really just to make my friends laugh. Like that's getting texts from people that are like, I'm, I'm dying laughing right now. And then they send it to everybody on their wall. Like that was everything. And that's all we cared about at first. Amazing, dude. So, all right. So then you started that and then you said you, did you keep that going while you went to work for Microsoft? I did for a while. Um, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I wrote four or five articles a day <laughs> while I had that full-time job. Um, and then quit it, uh, quit the blog about you know, six months, seven months into that job because it became more labor intensive and serious. Um, but at night I was still doing like side website projects for people. I was writing pitch decks for people. I advised a, a candidate in LA that ran for the DA uh, position in LA on like what to do with social and how to combat all the negative SEO that he had because he was kind of a slimy guy. Um, <laughs> so once I started getting those kind of meetings, I mean, you go, to, you go to lunch with the DA and his campaign team and there's no reason I should have been there other than I was the only person in the company and he was friends with the CEO. So they were like, Hey, why don't you talk to him? Um, I was the only person that understood digital at the time. So, uh, it kind of gave me an idea of like, wow, let's, I, I want to go in a field where people don't really understand this yet. And I want to be first to it. And I want to learn more than everybody else faster than everybody else. So it was just kind of that competitive nature that comes from being an athlete. I think where you're like, I want to know this. I want to be better at this. I want to do something that people are like, Hey, can you help me with this? Uh, I like solving people's problems. And this was something that everybody struggles with. And it's still to this day, every company we meet, they're like, we don't know what we're doing. That's like, wow, you guys are a $150 million a year company and you don't know what you're doing when it comes to digital. Um, that still trips me out every day. It trips me out too, man. Like I'm, when people are, cause I, I consider myself pretty technologically dumb. And I find that like by the time that I found this stuff and the, the way that I'm understanding it and now when people, I see what people are, their approach to it, I'm like, still, man, you still don't understand this. You're still at this really basic level when this is such a powerful tool that has completely changed politics, family relationships, like, you know, it's transformed our world, but yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up, I'm glad you brought up the athlete thing, man. Cause I, that's one of the things I wanted to get into with you. Cause I find that ex college athletes are every single time, super work ethic, super follow through people that know how to put in the work. Is that something that did you grow up with that work ethic? Is that something that was kind of, put into you through sports? Uh, at, at one point, did you realize that you work harder than the average person when no one's watching? It's a, that's a weird question because I always feel like I'm not doing enough, which is just a complex that I probably grew up with. But um, I, I've done a lot of thinking about why I am the way I am. I've gone through like cognitive behavioral therapy the last three years and trying to like unravel why do I, why am I high energy? Why do I commit to things that are beyond what I should commit to. I think there's two things to it. I think there's one, there was always a uh, hyper competitive environment around me as a kid. Uh, my best friends were really great athletes. Uh, literally my best friend, four down, four doors down. We grew up exactly the same. He was the only person that I would say was a better athlete than me in every single sport that we played. And we played against each other every day one-on-one -on -one basketball, one-on-one -on -one soccer, golf, tennis. It didn't matter. Um, so I think that was part of it. It kind of drove that, like, I got to be better than him. He was bigger, stronger. He was faster. Uh, I think that drew, drove it a lot. Um, but I also think I'm just from a, the kind of family that you're expected to excel. You're expected to be good at stuff. It's not, 
oh, you did, you tried hard. There, was, there wasn't a lot of, oh, it's okay, you tried hard. It was, yeah, you, maybe you should have put more time into running over the summer before soccer season, or maybe you should have strength conditioned a little bit better. You know, that was always that extra, like, you, you, you can do better. You can do better. Not in a negative way, but just a, my dad's hyper competitive. To this day, we battle it out on the golf, golf course um, and, like, talk trash. I mean, it's, it's a competitive environment. Ohio and, and, and Boston, those are competitive places when you're talking about sports. So I think that we, I just grew up with it and it was just normal to be, to be competitive to the point where I had to back off as I got older and go, all right, people don't really like it when you're hyper competitive and you're 28, 29 years old and you're running people over in Sunday league and stuff like that. Like I had to slow it down as I got older. Uh, and I have to think about it every day. I have to not say certain things in a, in a meeting and go, I mean, I could spike this guy and say, no, what you're doing is trash, but <laughs> that would just be the competitive side of me. And it wouldn't be the, 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 the mature side of me, I guess. That's funny, man. And the same thing, right? Again, I see, I went through the same thing of realizing that I'm a little bit too hard on myself. And I would tell people about how, I felt like a failure in the construction world. And then my friend would be like, what are you talking about, dude? You had a company that you then got acquired by somebody else. You went in in one role. And when your role started diminishing, you ended up evolving into another role. I think you've done way more than you were asked to do at all times, right? Like, so I've been through a bunch of therapy with that stuff. And it comes, for me, it comes from a from a worthiness, from a worthiness standpoint where I come from a family a lot like yours, it sounds like, where very close to my parents, everybody in my family is a superstar. And it was always like, oh, you got a A minus. Hmm. You know, maybe, yeah. you know, or like, or like I come home with, I, <laughs> I got voted funniest in high school. And my mom's first reaction was like, I, why can you not be most likely to succeed? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, 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 what, at what point did you decide that did, did you start going to therapy because of that stuff? Because, because you were being too hard on yourself or, 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 or kind of what was, uh, at what point did you decide that that was something you needed to work on? Yeah, I actually, I think it was four years ago. What is it? 2019 now? I'd say like four years ago, at the end of 2015, I had already hired a few employees at the beginning of the year. So I was starting to feel the pressure of carrying that weight and that, that, uh, that responsibility for other people. The business was growing really quickly at the time. Um, I actually went to Kaiser Permanente and said, I want to talk to somebody. Like I, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have older people that I could talk to. Um, I didn't have anybody that was my age that understood what I was going through. So it was, I was looking for help. So I went to Kaiser Permanente and they scheduled an appointment for me. Uh, I did the intake conversation, which was pointless. <laughs> I mean, other than giving them a little background. And then they canceled three appointments on me in a row. And they're like, yeah, this person's not available or this person's now out of network and three times in a row. And I just gave up. I was like, okay, I guess this is not meant to happen or whatever. And then six months later, maybe, um, I met some guys that I still work with now. They're an executive coaching team and they really focus on CBT and self-awareness and uh, emotional intelligence trainings, basically, to help executives get to the next level or improve your team or whatever it might be. And they turned me on to neuroscience, CBT, uh, just general things that could kind of help me put words to how I felt and help me kind of organize my thoughts on like why I feel the way I feel or how do I deal with this stress or how do I just calm down in traffic? Like if somebody cuts me off, why do I get so frustrated with it? And that's been about three and a half years of podcast discovery, books that I'm reading, um, deep dives into how do I feel about things or why do I act a certain way? And all of it, it was really like knowing I was going to have a kid, knowing I'm going to be growing a business. I need to get these things sorted out because I don't want to go off the rails at 40 like some people do and just like lose it or fall apart or be stressed out or be that unattentive parent or unattentive husband. So I think it was just like a, a trigger in my head that said, Hey, this has to happen now. Like you, you've got a lot of big things that are about to happen and this is something you got to figure out, at least start figuring out because I don't think that ever ends. I think you just keep going and you just go deeper and deeper. So yeah, it was a life's changing. I better change with it and, and get kind of calm myself down a little bit because you can't run a thousand miles an hour uh, forever, you know? 
Interesting, man. Interesting. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like blown away by all the parallels. Cause for me, I dove into this stuff about four years ago also, right? Like it was, and the same about three years ago, it was podcasts and audiobooks and, and doing this type of stuff. What kind of, and I find that putting the language to what you're feeling is usually one of the biggest tools that people need in order to mm-hmm. then take the next level right? Whether it is in my relationship with my wife, whether it's my relationship with myself, whether it is how I react, whatever. What, um, what kind of tools have you found, man? Is there, is there any kind of like good tidbits that, that, that you can give out on if someone is like that, right? Like you're, you're having a, a hard time letting go of small things and, and being amped up all, all the time and wanting to slam people. Like, is there, is there anything like that that you have that's been really, really helpful for you? Yeah. Uh, there's stuff that I'm not doing that I know I should be doing, but I think the most important thing is, uh, like I'm not doing a good job with, uh, health and fitness, the knee surgery last year, you know, put me behind again, but, um, that stuff helps. I mean, sleep, uh, eating well and, um, being healthy, working out those things help a lot, but talking to somebody or finding content that matches up with where you're at, because not everybody's in the same place. Not everybody, will not everything will resonate with everybody, but finding the right content, um, and the right conversations to listen to. Uh, that's why I like podcasts right now. Um, hearing long form conversation between two people discussing something that you're going through that you, that resonates with you, uh, just gives you perspective that you don't have. It gives you words that you don't have. It gives you resources to go look at. Um, you, you have to figure out what's bothering you at a high level, whether it's stress or failure or relationships or whatever it is, find out what the thing is, the general broad topic is, and then go find good content around that topic. And just dive in, listen to it when you're walking, listen to it when you're driving, and something will hook. Whatever whatever it is for each person is different, I think, but something will hook and then you'll go, oh, that's a thing I don't know anything about, but it sounds like something I need to know about. And you just get deeper and then you'll find the next thing and then you'll find the next thing. But I think for people to get started, you got to find the big signpost in your life that you're like, this is a thing that I hate, whether it's your job or it's your relationship with your parents or your health. Like some people are just unhealthy, like start there. Like, don't worry about everything else. Like get healthy first because that'll make everything else easier. Things will start to click. So I think it's like find a big topic and then just dive in on like the best podcast. Google will help. Like what's the best podcast on, podcast on love and relationships? Like it'll tell you where to start and find the one that's good for you and just keep diving into it and just keep going. Health is so big, man. Like people don't realize how much just like eating certain things affects your mood, right? Like just, yeah. just that. I found recently, I found that there's, there's this one pizza place that I love here in Jacksonville but every time I eat it, I go into like a downward despair cycle for like two days. Like there's got to be something in there that I'm like reacting to and I've completely segmented out. I hate it because I love that place. And I'm just like, it's not worth, not worth eating there, man. So what do you, yeah. what, so what was the first podcast that you kind of, that, that, that you got turned on to that, that you started heading down this path? Uh, I want to, weirdly enough, I think Tom Bilu or yeah, Tom Billy. I'm saying it right. Billy. Yeah. Um, I haven't listened to it in about a year now, but, uh, because I've jumped to other things, but I got a lot from it. Not, it's not my favorite podcast. It's not something I'm probably going to go back and listen to much more now, now that I've found kind of other stuff that's more my, my speed. Uh, but it gave me like that one. It gave me that jolt of positive uh, that that I think I needed at the time. I needed to hear more positive stuff, and all I listened to was negative music and like uh, you know angry sports casting and stuff like that. So I think that was a switch. Was any more positive uh, in general in my life, and that helped. But it also kind of pointed me towards certain books, like Ray Dalio's book that he talks about literally every podcast. I think. Um, what book is that? That was uh, yeah, Principles by Ray Dalio. That was a good one to hear because it was like here's a guy who's been doing it for 40, 50 years or whatever it's been, super successful. And his book, which he reads himself, which I think is really helpful, um, talks about just caring about the people you work with and how transformative, uh, transformational that was for his company. And that was something I needed to hear. Like I need to be better at uh, caring about the people that work for me. And that also helps me, but it helped me like hear somebody that's already doing it. That's not a savage. That's not out there like ruthlessly tearing down companies, which is what we've glorified. I think over the last 30 years, uh, but building a company that he likes and he enjoys going to, and he's realistic about 
people in general. And like some people have flaws and that doesn't mean they're, they should be fired. It means they maybe just need to have their skills pushed to something else. Um, so that was helpful. So Bill used like, kind of jump-started that. And then I started reading every book and then I started jumping into other podcasts. So it's been, I think I read nine books this year. I didn't read nine books in my 20s. I didn't read three books in my 20s. I'd be honest about it. Uh, I never finished any of them. Amazing. I read nine this year and I'm running two businesses and I've got a two-year-old. Like that shouldn't be able to happen, but it happens with like Audible. Audible helps a lot. With that kind of stuff. I was about to say, you're, are you you're listening to a decent amount of these? Yeah, there's some of them I bought and then I go back and read them because I want to get a little deeper into a certain part of it and like really understand what they were saying that maybe I skipped over or I was driving and not paying attention. But Audible works for me because I can multitask. I've been for probably 10 years now, I've been on documentaries. So documentaries is probably where I really got started on this stuff. But documentaries while I work, uh, because it's talking, you don't really need to look at the documentary. You generally, you know what it's going to look like if you, if you were to appear over, it's boring half the time. Um, but if you listen to it, it's, you're getting a narrated story of a topic that you're really into. And I can, I can write, I can, I can design stuff. I can build stuff when I'm listening to something like that. Audiobooks just feel like a natural extension of that. And I really don't have to look at it. And that makes it even better. Interesting, man. That's cool. Yeah, I, I had a, again, parallel path, right? This is like the Me Too podcast. Everything you say to Me Too. <laughs> um, my thing, I, I first got into podcasts with Serial, right? Like I was, I was the quintessential Serial podcast guy. And then that opened up my eyes to what else is out there that could be this entertaining and I got into, like, I always loved the Freakonomics, freak, the book Freakonomics, and I knew that they had stuff, and then TED Talks. And then at one point, somebody turned me on to Gary Vee. It was, like, October 2017. This developer that I'm trying to get in front of at a Green Building Conference, I'm like, dude, what are you listening to these days? I'm into podcasts. He's like, you should listen to this Gary Vee guy. And I hated him at first, but... I quickly realized he was to me what Tom Bilyeu was to you. He was the guy that was out there saying there's a different way to do business. You don't have to be uh, a scummy salesy, like treat everybody wrong and, and you can do it through value aggregation as opposed to trying to grab whatever's yours. And that, yeah. and that got me down the path. So what do you, what are you listening to these days? Uh, actually I've been, binging on Rogan podcasts. Uh, I know everybody else has been listening to Joe Rogan for a while now, but uh, I didn't really start listening to it until about maybe three or four months ago. Um, but he's so into neuroscience and so into uh, psychology and behavioral science right now. He does all the weird, like I skip all the UFC stuff. I really don't care about UFC fighters and stuff like that. Although some of them can be interesting. Um, I really like it when he has scientists on there. Like I just finished this sleep one. Uh, I forget the doctor's name that he had on there, the researcher, but I'm thinking about sleep. Like I get five hours of sleep, five and a half hours of broken sleep. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, you're going to get Alzheimer's and you're going to die. Like that's all I heard on the whole podcast. Like if you don't get seven hours of sleep, you're at risk for Alzheimer's. You're 20% less effective. You're 20%, 30% less productive, whatever. So I hear that stuff and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I just needed to hear that. I needed to hear the science of it. I needed to hear how the brain organizes. And now I already knew I, need, I needed sleep, but my wife telling me it was one thing. Uh, a researcher saying you're going to die from this if you don't get enough sleep someday. Uh, that was enough to kind of go, yeah, I'm going to commit to that. You know, at least for the next month, I'm going to try to get seven and a half, eight hours of sleep, which is insanely amount, insane, insane amount of sleep for me. Um, but I, I want to try it and just see how I feel different, uh, after that. So Rogan's podcast is one, but I'm reading certain books. Like I'm, I'm a lot more, uh, targeted with what I'm reading right now, whether it's childhood development stuff, uh, so that I understand how to be a good dad, uh, or how do I understand what's going on with my kid, things like that. Um, so it's books and Joe Rogan podcast right now, mostly. What books, what books are you on right now? The child development, what else? I'm on right now. I'm on Malcolm Gladwell's uh, talking to strangers. Yeah. heard that. Um, so I'm about halfway through that one. Um, and I went back, I did Jordan Peterson's two books earlier this year. And I went back and read 12 rules again uh, from a different perspective, kind of thinking about it for somebody else in my life that I think the book would be good for. So I'm trying to pick out pieces that would be specifically good for that person. Um, yeah. It, it's Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, somebody else on there. I tried Michelle Obama's book, but that was not for me. Um, 
I'm stuck on a couple of books, basically. I'm just kind of holding pattern because I think I just dove into the podcast a little bit heavier than I thought I would. I go through the same phases, man. I, uh, I, I listen to Gladwell's, right? Like anytime I'm going through this phase right now, first of all, with Joe Rogan, I love Joe Rogan, uh, but it has to be guest specific, right? Because I feel like he pulls out the best in people. He's like the, I feel like Dan Lebitard does that in, in, in sports mm-hmm. interviews. He's really good at getting people to, to, to say good things. Um, and I love when Rogan interviews like endurance athletes, like that to me, like, like the dudes that have done really hard stuff. I love, <laughs> I, that, yeah. that's my favorite Rogan stuff. Um, as far as books go, I have this, I've just realized that I have this adverse reaction to anytime I hear somebody talking about writing a networking book or a relationships and how to build business relationships book. I'm always like, whatever, bro. Like, why am I going to read that? I got this. And I'm like, no, wait a minute, idiot. If this is the subject that you really want to be an expert in, you should definitely read all of these books. Right. So like talking to strangers comes out. I love Gladwell anyways. So I, I picked up Gladwell. Now I'm listening to, I just finished Brian Glazer's new book called The Art of Human, Face-to-Face, The Art of Human Connection, because I heard him on a couple of different podcasts. And what I find with all of it is, it's the concept of eat the meat, spit out the bone, right? Like I, I didn't read Never Eat, Never Eat Alone for a really long time until somebody I really, really respected who, Dan Ariola, you're going to be on this podcast, um, recommended it to me, right? And mm-hmm. It was this like mixture of, oh, I do this stuff and a mixture of like, oh, this is how he has the language for that stuff. And, oh, I've done this before and it worked for me and I never really put two and two together. And then some of new, new concepts. And I find that really, really compelling for diving into what I really want to be known for, right? Communicating, building relationships and, 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 and getting the word out. And now I lost my train of thought, man. So on <laughs> well, diving, diving into books that, uh, that are in your target, like what you're yeah. working on, like you're trying to be, I mean, you're, you're the connecting guy right now, you know? Yeah. And I think there's something to that. I, I avoid stuff that I feel like I already know. Um, I'm conscious of it though. And I try to lean back into it when I'm ready. But I think, uh, I don't know that I have ADHD because apparently you just have the symptoms of it if you don't sleep enough. So I can't tell if I, if I have it or not. Um, but I get really distracted with cool topics. Um, and I like new. I'm a big fan of what's new and what's something I don't know. So I lean away from things that, I, that I'm either you know, doing for work or um, like social media. I'm not reading anything about social media. I don't care about it. I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. Uh, I should be not using it as much as I already am right now, but it would make more sense for my business if I actually read what people are saying about it today, as opposed to what I've, I know about it, uh, just being so close to it right now. Um, but I think that's just my personality. I like new stuff. Like teach me something I don't know. I don't want to hear your version of something that I, I know probably very similar or better. Um, although that's probably a mistake, honestly. Perfect, man. Way, way, to, way, to, way to save me for myself on that one. Totally agree. <laughs> right? Like, once again, me too. Right? Like, I, I also don't sleep well. I also have ADHD. I also am enamored with the new shiny thing as opposed to what I already know. But there is an inherent value in what you know, but seeing it from another perspective. So, you, you said earlier that when you were starting to reach that, the successful marks in your career, that you didn't have people around you that were in your same boat. Has that, has that changed? Yep. Uh, like dramatically too. Um, one, the two guys I'm talking about, uh, Cyrus and Joe uh, from XQ Innovations, uh, meeting with them. I don't meet with them enough right now. They're a client, but we help them with their marketing. They help us with coaching and stuff like that. It's a, it's a good partnership, but I don't engage enough with them to get more out of it. Uh, every time I do, I feel great. So I have those guys that I can talk to and that really, really helps. That kind of slows me down. Joe's, you know, an ex, he's been working in business and sales for 30, 40 years. So he's just, he's like our Yoda. When we talk to him, we all feel better. I think you know, on my team, my team goes and sees them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of like that. Cyrus is my age and he's run businesses and now he's got this business. So super sharp dude and getting his perspective is getting somebody that's my peers perspective. But I also got lucky in that I met a few guys uh, playing golf randomly here in Orange County. 
uh, I went out by myself as a single, which I do a lot. I'm, I'm a pretty good golfer and my friends are not necessarily pretty good golfers uh, that are my age. So sometimes I go out and play by myself just because I want to be able to focus and not turn it into a frat party, which is what it turns into with some of my friends. Um, and I just got lucky and I met a handful of guys uh, that about two and a half years ago that one is a very, very successful CFO at a large, large company. Another one owns a company that's now one of our clients. He's a, about 10 years older than me. And then there's a couple other guys of varying ages that have been very successful in their life and they come from very different lives than me. And we started playing golf, but it really quickly turned into this, I wouldn't say mentorship, but it gave me perspective on what it's like to be at that level at that age and be the type of person that I want to be. And it gave me just a view into, okay, I didn't grow up with people like this in my life. I grew up with tougher people from rough part of life. Uh, we grew up very, I wouldn't say very poor, but we grew up poor uh, in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. Um, so for me to get that perspective of what's it like to be the kind of guy that I want to be like, helped me in those conversations that I have with them in between shots. Uh, gives me perspective on the things that they struggle with in life and they struggle with things with their kids that are, you know, in their twenties now. Um, and it helps me realize that everything's a little more normal than I thought it was. And everybody's dealing with the same types of things. Um, and some people are just better at handling it than others because of whatever their circumstances. Um, so it's helped me, gives me people to bounce things off of and go, you know, here's what I'm struggling with, or here's what I'm thinking about. But it also just gives me perspective into, how would I handle it at that age when that comes up? And those are things that I think about, uh, whether it's business or personal. So I've got those guys now and uh, I've got my Pebble Beach hat on. I went up there. That was my bucket list thing that I did this year. I went up there with those guys. I was there. Oh, what? Did you go for the U.S. Open or did you just go play Pebble Beach? No, we played. So oh, sick. I've been playing golf since I'm like six years old. Um, so it's been a bucket list thing. And now that I've got a couple of, you know, I've got a handful of friends who can afford to do that kind of stuff. Uh, and my wife's gracious enough to <laughs> green light a, a trip like that. We've gone on a few golf trips together and it's me and some guys like in their 50s, <laughs> you know, pushing 60 maybe. Um, but we bond really well because that's that's where I'm at in my head right now. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm maturing at a different, different rate than I was before because of my daughter being around. Um, I've got a lot of responsibility with people around me that depend on me, not financially, but you know, for support or advice. Um, and these are the type of guys that do the same thing for the people around them. So I think gleaming some of that from them, but also having a good time and joking around and having fun at a casino, you know, after a golf match or whatever, that stuff is just really healthy for me. I'm lucky to have those guys now. That's awesome, man. I, dude, intergenerational relationships to me are the most valuable things in society. Like I think mm -hmm. it's, I think it's what keeps the train on the tracks, right? Cause yeah. at the end of the day, life is cycles. And if you can be friends with somebody that's been through a couple more cycles than you have, then they can mm -hmm. give you that perspective where, where, where you're not, you don't get so obsessed with your short term downward momentum and focus on your long term trajectory. So I think that's yeah. awesome, man. And, and I think that's, I think I'm seeking that because my family is on the other side of the country. So I have that yeah. generational, you know, relationships and stuff, but they're on the other side of the country. So it's tough to, to maintain it or to keep it consistent. Um, but you're right. I think that's a big part of it is just being able to talk to somebody that's been through stuff. Or in my case, I think one of the things that helped me was having guys like that validate that where I'm at is actually pretty good. Uh, because for me, it's always what's next. How do I get to this next phase? How do we get to launching this? Or how do I accomplish this? Um, and they're looking at me like, look at what you're doing right now. Like, this is pretty cool. So it helps me step back and go, all right, yeah, that five years that I didn't look up once. Yeah, this is a pretty good place. This is exactly where I wanted to be five years ago. Uh, so I should be a lot more thankful and a lot more patient with myself. Uh, so they help me kind of realize that sometimes. It's a trip, man. I'm mentoring this like 14 year old Bulgarian kid that had me on his podcast and then asked me to be his mentor. And he's in that same headspace. He's just like, you know, I'm such an idiot because I've been like doing this podcast and I only got to 50 episodes and now I want to do this. And I'm, I'm like, bro, you're 14 years old. Like you've done so much. You, know, like, yeah. you have a yeah. podcast, you know, like I wish my 14 year old nephew had a podcast and was doing this type of stuff. I think it's amazing. Right. The other, yeah. the other, the other tip I can give you for, for good intergenerational, intergenerational relationships and people that you meet like that 
are it's philanthropy, man. I don't know. I don't know if you, I don't know if you get involved in any kind of philanthropy, but like once you, once you start getting into that world and you just take some kind of like assistant chair of something inside the committee of some philanthropy that you kind of care about, everybody you start coming around is, is people that care a little bit more than everybody else and have been around the block. And they're usually the people on the board of philanthropies are high power executives Stuff like that. That's been my hack because I suck at golf. <laughs> well, I'm pretty good at golf, so that's been my my crutch. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I want to get more involved in stuff. I think I've been uh, carefully selective with my time, um, yeah. and it's just not a lot of time left for it. Uh, it's definitely something that's on my radar. Like I, I want to be more involved. I do charity events, but I do more like personal charity uh, or helping people. I don't call it charity. I'm helping people out with certain stuff. That's, I, I, I get a lot more out of one-on-one. Like if I can help somebody find a new career, if I can help somebody uh, find a new skill set, or just be there to talk to them when they're going through tough times, helping one person to me is, is way better than sharing anything. Um, because it's that one person that you actually know and you're like, I just, I just want to see you get over this hump, man. Like that's, yeah. that's, I think that's where my charitable acts have probably gone. Oh, totally dude. I'm addicted to that stuff too. And it's much more charitable, much more personally beneficial is doing, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like yeah. spearhead, you know, being the assistant spearhead of some committee that somebody else does all the work, but you get all the connections, right? Like that's, yeah. that's been a total unlock for me. Um, yeah. all right, man. So I, there's two things that I, that I want to get to, and this has been awesome, man. I, really enjoy this. Um, one is I feel like the one reason that you and I have kept in contact has been because of social media content, Mm -hmm. because you, you, you take the time to like post about what you're doing. And I take the time to post about what I'm doing. And because of that, I've been like a loose satellite within your life that then at a moment when I was like at this crossroads and I needed some advice, I could reach out to you, man. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you approach the content that you're putting out there and how you use social media for personal things and for business? Hmm. That's a good question. I actually don't post a lot. Um, I'll comment on people's things. I look and watch more than I, than I post. Um, I'm, I, I don't know if this. I don't know if anybody else would agree with this, but I'm more of a private person than than. Uh, look at what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. If you look at my feed, you'll see a post maybe once a month, mm-hmm. maybe once every three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm watching what everybody else is doing, and I'm I'm sending you know, uh, you know, congratulations and look, you're doing a great job. Like I'm I'm happy to do that stuff for other people. So I don't post enough of my own stuff to be honest, but I have been conscious about trying to. Um, because one thing people don't, I get people that come up to me that have known me for 10, 12 years and they're like, yeah, what do you, what do you do? Like, they don't even know what I do for a living and I'm in marketing. So there's a failure going on there. Um, but that's because I'm, I've been quietly humble about where we're, what we're doing over here and where we're going. Um, now that I feel like we're very good at what we do, I need to be a little bit noisier and talk to people about what we're doing because we might be able to help somebody out. Um, so I don't think I do a good job of, uh, of publishing that stuff. And we don't do any marketing for, for my agency right now. Uh, it's all word of mouth. It's all referrals. It's all relationship-based stuff. Um, that's got to change in 2020 probably because we're going to grow a little bit faster. But um, I'm quiet uh, about what I do. Uh, I'm happy to make jokes and post stuff online to, to get people stirred up. But uh, when it comes to my own stuff, I actually really don't talk about a lot of what I do online. It's probably not a good thing, but it's just my personality, I think. It's interesting, man, but your personality is also to be helpful, right? And and the 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 way that I've been leaning and basically what I've built my business around is the idea that when I switched my approach to networking from how do I how can I get something out of it to like how can I help everybody that I that I interact with, it completely changed my life. And now that I've changed my approach to content to that, which is again the Gary V model, right? I didn't come up with it, nothing proprietary there. But you see a immediate you see an immediate ROI, man. It's been amazing how the moment that I started posting well produced content around something that I've been really passionate about forever that I know can help other people, guys of your level come out of the woodwork. Like, yo man, this is really cool. Like you're doing good and, 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 and things of the sort. So what I've, what I've built this business around 
and it's happened very quickly, man. It ha- you know, like we talked in March, April, I had no idea how to like describe myself. I was telling people I was a professional networker. Now I call myself an audience cultivation strategist. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just proving that community creation is the future of business development has been designing interactions where you are giving people advice and then just sharing that advice with people. Hmm. Right. And I think that that's something that would serve you very, very well. Right. Like I, I think that you have a ton of advice to give. You like doing it. Um, the first step for you to, to, to start, to start building that is just kind of like building it into your schedule where like I have a friend, Jerry McNamara, who he calls it office hours. He just has a, you know, uh, a, a one hour window once or twice a week where people know that they can hop on and just like ask him about stuff. And he's just there to be an open book and, and help people out. Have you ever considered any like that kind of strategy, like the, like the make a Facebook group around your business or something kind of strategy? Yeah. Um, to be honest, when I do post stuff or when I do uh, share like on LinkedIn or something, uh, it generates conversation right away. So I know it, I know it works um, yeah. and I know it's true. Uh, I think my time is very limited right now. So I don't want more conversations. <laughs> I don't want, I'm actually not looking for more opportunities necessarily. I'm looking to get better at what we do. I'm looking at getting more time with my daughter because she's two and this like a super important time. So I'm actually going the other way where I'm kind of like leave me alone status uh, because that's just my priority right now. But you're totally right. Um, anytime I post something on LinkedIn about work that we've done, anytime I, we send out, uh, social media posts about uh, new relationships or new new successes that we've had, it always kicks up the dust and creates something new for us. And somebody's like, hey, I forgot to, I've been meaning to reach out to you. Like, it's the number one thing I get in an email. I've been meaning to reach out to you. We're ready to get started on this thing. Can you help us out? And you're so, like, nah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm at the point where it's, we're writing, we're, I've got, the, my whole week this week is writing proposals for 2020 and like kind of organizing ourselves for 2020 and what we're going to do. Um, I don't have time <laughs> for exploring a possible opportunity that I don't know is real like set in stone. And we're going to, we're going to probably get it. So what's 20, by the way, the, the way that I have been able to, I, I feel the same way. And the, and the way that I justify it is that because I put out content, then when an opportunity isn't immediate, I just move on. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, cool. You want to talk about this? Here's my 15 minutes. Oh, you're not, you don't get it. All right, cool, bro. Well, I just gave you great advice. Let me, let me know when it's ready for you. Right. Um, what is, what does 2020 look like for you? Man? If you're, if you're at your limit, are you trying to like build scale underneath you? What, what are you, what are you trying to do right now? Yeah, we kind of reorganized um, my agency team last year. Um, you know, content was a big thing that we did for our clients for a long time. Um, and we're doing, we, I think we've trained our clients to do content on their own a little bit better. Uh, so that's one part where we've switched, where we don't need to produce as much content. Uh, and we've moved to more like technical things that we're working on for clients. And I moved my team to a more of account strategy based team where everybody's, you know, able to work with clients, solve problems, pass the work to a developer, pass the work to a designer. Um, so I think in 2020, we just need to keep going in that direction. So we, got rid of the, the junior marketers who are sitting around not doing stuff sometimes or not feeling like they're really into this work. And we just said, okay, you're not into it. We're not go, go do something else, I guess. Uh, and we're just going to work with people that are like, I really want to learn all this stuff. And I really want to work with clients that have problems and I want to solve those problems with them. Um, so I think we're just hyper-focused now. So 2020 is all about scaling that and, and scaling that is a lot easier than scaling an entire team of people in an agency and I think all I think a lot of agencies that I've talked to are going the same route they're saying we just got to be really good at communicating with clients knowing what the problem is knowing how to solve it and then using contractors because people like to be freelancers these days um, to get the doing done Uh, but the value is really knowing what to do and how to do it and what technologies to use so we really just need to scale that up uh, and find good people that are of the same breed um, of the people that we have right now that are hungry to learn, hungry to help clients, uh, ready for the intensity of working with, you know, 10 clients at a time or seven clients at a time. Um, and we just need to scale that. But I think we found our footing. Uh, and it's, I mean, agency life, it's always going to be like that. It's changing every two years, every three years. The, the focus is different. It was blogging. 
for like four years straight and everybody wanted to produce 10 blogs a month, 15 blogs a month. And now we're starting to see advertising take over again. And advertising is just so dialed in with social media right now. Um, and I think that's just, we're just naturally shifting like everybody else is from what I'm hearing uh, to being just really good consultants, really good uh, strategists. Uh, and that's where the value lays right now because everything else is getting commoditized. So we're just going in that direction. And Belch is iterating. You know, we're building a new version of Belch right now. So that's still a 50-50 jump ball for me every day. Like, where do I want to put my energy? Um, but I want to move more towards doing uh, more Belch stuff because we've got a cool opportunity. And I like working with my team on that stuff. Uh, and that feeds the business on the agency side anyway. So people are like, you got to pick. you got to do one or the other. And at the, at the moment, I don't, I don't want to uh, until a, an event happens. If something happens where it's like, okay, now you have to shift your attention or you're going to lose this opportunity. Um, right now, I feel like we're doing a good job of kind of balancing it and going, yep, this is going to catch up. This one might overtake the other one, but uh, I'm enjoying the ride right now. And I'm trying not to be too uh, decision-making right now. I'm trying to just, okay, this feels right. And let's settle in. We've got an office in Newport Beach. So it's like, this stop running towards some kind of finish line because you're going to miss the whole race. And, Right now, I'm starting to try to slow down my gait and kind of get a feel for it and, and go, this is cool. This is what I wanted. Like, enjoy it because it's not going to last forever. You know, it's however many years you can do this. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That's Long amazing, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's amazing, dude. That's I, I feel, I feel really fortunate to have been able to have reconnected with you at this period of your life. That sounds like it's so bountiful and 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 so like purposeful, man. It's really really cool to hear. Yeah. So, last two questions. First one is how you know, how can I help you, man? Is there is there anything is there anything that I can do to help out your mission or? You know, how do people find you or, or, or you know, what, what are you looking for that, that I can make any kind of intro or any kind of connection to, if, if, if any? No, I, I, I'm enjoying watching you do this stuff, to be honest. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm on a good path right now. I'm sorting things out daily that, uh, that help us get to our path. But um, a lot of people have already helped to this point. I, I'm, I'm excited to just watch you grow your thing and, and and get to a point where you're like, man, I want to slow down, you know, because that's, that means you've done something and that means you feel like you've accomplished something. So keep doing your thing. Uh, I'm rooting for you. Cool, man. I appreciate it. And, and the last thing I like to, I, you know, I like to approach everything from a value add situation. I heard you just say that you have, you've been able to figure out a way to get your clients to produce their own content. Do you have, can you give any kind of tips on how you get, how you've been able to get your clients to make their own content. I think it'd be really, really valuable for anybody. Yeah. And I don't want to oversell that companies are still not really great at creating their own content, but um, one is explaining the value. I think people are better at understanding the value of content and the, how it can be used now than they were before. So for us, we show them reporting and we just show them like, Hey, that email series that we put time into that you were like dragging your heels on it's now made you $80,000 this month or $200,000 this quarter or whatever. Um, so that helps because then they're like, okay, now I'll get some more people to really help with this stuff. The other part is um, teeing it up for them. So the biggest thing that we do for our clients is telling them, you know, helping them develop a strategy that helps them communicate with people the proper way. Um, it's not, we don't want to send out crappy email marketing that's just like, buy from us, buy from us, buy from us. Um, I still hold true to the create valuable content, answer questions for people for free, give them that information and they will come trust you and give you money to help them do the thing that you've told them how to do it. You've proven that it works. They're still going to pay you to do it for them anyway. Um, and if they do it themselves, great. That's, that's fine. It doesn't cost you any more time for them to do it themselves, but people will come back to you because they're like, that guy knows or that team knows or that company knows how to get us to where we want to go. We either pay them to do it or we do it ourselves. And nine times out of 10, they're going to pay you to do it because you gave them the right answer. Uh, or you built that trust with them just by giving them free information. So find somebody that can help you do a strategy if you don't know how to do it. Uh, but then uh, once you give them a strategy and you give them the tools, like here's how you interview a subject matter expert. Here's how you get the most valuable pieces out of that interview. Uh, and just give them an outline and give them a strategy. They can do the rest. Uh, getting somebody to write something is hard. If you say, just write about something interesting that you did this week. 
that's never going to happen. No, nobody on your team wants to write that kind of content. But if you say, here's a topic that you know really well, and you answered in the meeting the other day, I need you to write this up and pull out the parts that would be most valuable to the client. That's all you really need to give them. And that person will nerd out on going, yeah, man, look how smart I am. And people will write that content if you pump them up and hand them the assignment. Uh, but you can't give them just Greenfield and say, hey, write something interesting this month. They will never do it. Love it, man. You, dude, once again, you're completely a, a, another validation point. You basically just described kind of what I'm doing for my clients too, right? Which sounds like it's, it's on the right path if it's what you're doing yep. too, man. Awesome, man. Charles, I really appreciate you doing this, man. A pleasure, Pablo. Any, any website you want to plug? Do you want to plug the, uh, the blurb where you, uh, no, Belch, where you find Belch? Yeah, I mean, if, uh, if you're a HubSpot customer, belch.io, uh, it's free to try out. Uh, it's pretty simple to figure out, too. Uh, you can do a demo with me if you need help with it. Uh, and then bigpresence.com, that's the agency. So if you're looking for marketing help, if you're looking to build websites, uh, and you need to go to the next level with it, uh, check us out there. Fully, fully endorsed by your boy, Pablo. You're the man, Charles. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Have a good one. Charles is an awesome guy, am I right? Yeah, it's amazing that I've maybe spoken to him like three times in the last 11 years, yet we can hop on a call like that and have such an amazing conversation. That's how it is when you you know, build these rich relationships with great people. So a couple of takeaways from this episode, and that is that if you can learn anything from this, it's that you can transition. You can transition at any point in your career. Notice how he went from being an accountant to starting to teach himself a little bit about coding to working for Microsoft, to then becoming this expert marketer, and now he is an app developer. I think it's really fascinating that we all have that available to us. Two, and it's right online, listening to podcasts and audiobooks can really shift your paradigms and can really be a source to get that good information inside of your head so that you can shift and you can grow and you can evolve. If you're not listening to podcasts and audiobooks and consuming content that you can learn from, you need to start doing that right now if you want to make a change in your life. And then one of the things I talk about a lot in my networking superchargers is the idea that intergenerational relationships are so valuable and how to create them, right? So Charles, for him, it's been golf. He's been able to find some great mentors through golf, and I find it through philanthropy, right? So whatever your way to find it is, you need to find it because they really, really help you out. And sometimes you just got to level up your inner circle to understand what is possible for you. So I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. After this podcast, if you like the rapport with me and Charles, we got a couple of little outtakes you can listen to. In the meantime, it would mean the world to me if you could share this thing, tell someone about it, like post it on social media, put it on your Instagram, I don't know, whatever you want to do. Promote me, please, because I really want to keep doing this. And, uh, you know, I love it, man, and I hope you're enjoying it too. So, without further ado, you get to listen to the rest of Yogi by the Stillsville from Miami, Florida. Go give those guys a follow on Spotify. The song rules, but the rest of their stuff is awesome. I call it like modern yacht rock. I think it's the best. Super cool, really cool vibe, man. So go check it out. Thank you so much for joining us.
stage with a crowd She danced like an angel, queen of Swan Lake Nimble as a thimble from any small state Now that she's made it, she knows she'll be fine She said I gave it my all and put it on the line Night after night she dances for them It's like deja vu all over Fantastic, man. I'm uh, just uploading one final thing here to uh, to something real quick, and then uh, let me uh, just do this real quick. All right, we're done. Oh, should I put on a sweet hat to look awesome like you, man? Because I usually, I usually wear sweet hats. Your hair looks really good. I wouldn't do that today. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm, I'm stoked to see you putting all that work out there right now. It's cool to see. Dude, you know, when you, uh, yeah, I want to, you know, I'll talk about this when in our, in our conversation and, we may just start it off like this if it flows naturally. Right. But like when you, you reaching out to me, telling me the, I see you on uh, I think it was on Instagram, right. You just sent me like a DM saying that you're seeing the work I'm putting out and you appreciate it, man. It was a, it was a big, just a big validation. Right. Mm. And I remember, I remember when I was first starting this journey, I mean, we reconnected what, like April, March, something like that. Yeah. And I was just getting started on figuring out what the fuck I was going to be doing. <laughs> and I found it interesting that you and I, you know, I've, I've kept in contact with most of the guys from Cali. I, I've kept in contact with like a handful of the guys from Cali. And out of the guys I've kept in contact with, there is an inordinate kind of time you and I spent together versus how much I've actually kept in contact with you. And I think that that's an interesting topic to explore. Mm. So that is that plus, you know, I, I admire your career from afar, right? Like, and I think you're somebody, you're somebody that's been making a ton of moves and um, kind of the purpose of the purpose of this podcast is to highlight the people that I've had the good fortune to meet and keep in contact with and, and, and keep in my life, highlight what they're doing and what makes them special and, and the things that I have learned from them. Mm-hmm. And then also highlight why and how I've kept in contact with people and how I met them and how that correlates to building relationships and building a network. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Cool, man. So how do you want me to introduce you? Um, the owner of Big Presence, co-founder of Belch. I mean, that's all that's really important right now. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, owner of Big Presence, co-founder of Belch. Okay. Uh, Charles Drenberg. Yep. 